Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Eric Coffey. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, Henry. Uh, thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for taking the time. And this is going to be a great conversation. We're going to chat with Eric and, and get his expertise and perspective and insights on the whole government contracts arena, how to land government contracts, how to build a business around that, how that works. And, and a lot of it is going to be also, as Eric and I were just chatting before we started recording, there are so many myths and misconceptions. And he really takes it personally to make sure that he shares with people, and that's what we're hoping to do today, what some of those things are, those pitfalls you can avoid, and the opportunity that really is out there. If you want to receive more information about the How of Business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So Eric is an entrepreneur, and he's the founder of GovCon Giants which helps people land government contracts. After the real estate market crashed back in 2007, Eric launched a successful consulting company helping small businesses, small business owners rather, earn millions in revenues via federal small business programs. Then in 2012, he launched Ivankov, is that correct? Ivankov? Yes. Ivankov Construction, which was a steel erection company building airplane hangars, and metal buildings for government agencies around the country. Very interesting, very specialized. And then in 2017, he launched his YouTube channel, Score Contracts, which was a YouTube channel that helped other small business owners achieve their revenue goals using the power of the federal, of federal contracts. And that he still does the YouTube channel. And then in 2018 is when he launched GovCon Giants. We're gonna have us have him rather walk us through that chronology of how he got to where he is today. He's also the host of his own podcast called GovCon Giants Podcast, which is dedicated to showcasing the scalability of growing a business, harnessing the power of federal dollars. And he's also the author of a book called, or entitled rather, Billion Dollar Playbook, 72 Websites for Massive Scaling in the Federal Marketplace. So today, Eric focuses not only on his, on his other businesses, but on teaching everyday people how to win extraordinary contracts in the federal arena. He lives in Miami, Florida, my former hometown. And so, uh, Eric Coffey, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much. Uh, that was a great introduction. And yes, it seems when you say it, it seems like a lot of stuff that I've accomplished over uh, the last decade. It but is it really. Is it's been a, it's been a journey, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, I just kind of put my head down and just kept, you know, putting one foot before the other and and doing the activities. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you chose that word. You know, the, the journey. One of the things I've been and I've mentioned on the podcast before, I've been trying to do a better job of over the last few years is enjoying that journey. Um, right. It just popped into my head. Do you think you were you've been good at that and enjoying every step of it and not stressing too much about some arbitrary end goal? So I would say no. Um, that's I, I've I've always been seeking out to do things that were uh, not only did they make money but that they were fulfilling and rewarding, mm -hmm. and that's what led me to the YouTube channel. So you know when I decided um, back uh, after the real estate market, even when I was doing real estate. Uh, when I decided I want to make a change, it was because I was not fulfilled. So I think I've done, um, I've been seeking that out. And so I've constantly changed and pivoted just to try and find that. Um, what I've learned in reading, I'm an avid reader, is that, you know, people can make all the money in the world, but they're still lacking certain things. And so I always knew that going in and I said to myself that I want to find something that gave me uh, profits and was fulfilling at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I will say I found that now. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I think we, we struggle with it. You know, I, I know for me, we, I think we were influenced to believe and measure ourselves to only be successful once I have 800 locations or yes. you know, $10 million in revenue, whatever those right. arbitrary numbers right. are. And we miss out on enjoying the process of building our businesses and even, even the failures while in the moment they're right. no fun kind of taking it all in as part of the experience that we have the privilege to be part of. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. You studied industrial engineering in college. I did. Uh, but then the, you didn't go into engineering. What, what were your thoughts? What did you want to do with that degree? So while I was at the university of Florida, go Gators, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I actually was uh, something that, that I wasn't mentioned here was I co-founded the entrepreneurs club at the university of Florida. Wow. So I founded the first ever entrepreneurs club at the University of Florida. Uh, I knew that uh, I wanted to go into business. I didn't know how. And so uh, I, a friend of mine wanted to start an inventors club. I wasn't much of an inventor, but entrepreneur was definitely more of my take. So I co-founded that. Uh, we had our first ever business plan competition. We raised $5,000 from a successful local private donor. Um, it was a business owner, uh, Marty Purinek, believe it or not, I remember his name. And uh, that's back in the days when we were doing dial-up and he had a wow. dial-up uh, internet company and he gave us $5,000. He took a chance. The guy was 27 years old. He gave a, you know, a bunch of uh, college students 5,000 to have a business competition. And um, from that, we, we started a couple companies. And um, so I had that entrepreneurship bug from college days. Yeah. Where, where did that time. come from? Were there influences or was it modern? I would say, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I've always been, uh, since a child, I, you know, I sold lollipops. I've sold flags. Um, my mom had me do Amway presentations. Wow, so I, <laughs> yeah. So I remember that at like 11, 12 years old, I was doing the Amway sales whiteboard presentations mm -hmm. um, on the poster boards that you flip and you write right. the markers on them. Right. Yeah. I was doing that in uh, homes and, and teaching people about Amway. And um, so it's, you know, I can't really say I was always a leader. I, I will say that, you know, my parents will tell you, um, I signed myself up for gifted in the, um, the second grade. So I was always <laughs> a leader. You know, I know she remembers this. I remember, you know, I would tell my parents, uh, I'd sign up for things and just have them basically Uber me around. 
Yeah. Well, they, they must have instilled in you that, that sense of, of high, setting high standards and, and believing in yourself, I have to believe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I could say uh, my parents have been married almost 60 years now. Wow. Um, and so I, you know, same mom, same dad, very strong family, same, all my siblings, brothers, sisters, we all come from the same family. So I guess, uh, you know, I had a solid upbringing. Uh, I didn't have any, you know, issues in the homes, no divorce, anything like that. So it was definitely, I had a great foundation that yeah. I started from. I actually, I can say this, I'm very, very, I had, to me, I think I had one of the best childhoods that I could remember. That's fantastic. What part of Miami did you grow up in? I grew up down uh, further south, near Cutler Ridge, mm -hmm. in an area called Ghouls. It wasn't a great area, but we didn't know any difference at the time. Right, but it was uh, certainly back then a much more, it was very isolated and probably a yes. little community onto its Community, uh, yeah. yep. Fam everyone, there was all family. So, mm -hmm. you know, you know your neighbors um, and you know the people around you and things like that. We were very safe, secure. Uh, and then when I was 12, 13, my parents bought a second home. And then we moved into that second home, which was uh, in an area called South Miami Heights near Southridge Senior High School. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. I grew up mostly in Hialeah and parts okay. thereof. Yeah. My, my parents are Cuban immigrants, as you okay. can imagine. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so you had several kind of careers, real estate uh, to program development. Was when, would, when did you start your first business? Was that in 2007? No, I started my first business in college. So actually, okay. while I was at University of Florida, I started a business developing. Uh, it wasn't called apps back then. They were called software for PDA devices. <laughs> and uh, I developed software. We actually raised three hundred thousand dollars. Is that right? So we we did. We raised uh, three hundred thousand. We were building um, kind of like what the Fitbit does now, but back then on um, PDA devices. So that was my very first venture in the business. Um, had some issues with the uh, business partner. End up coming back home, uh, taking a job for about six months, at, and then launching into real estate. All right. So real estate is then what gets you into that, that interested you and that led to construction as well. Yeah. So uh, while in real estate, again, like I said, I was looking for something that fulfilled me. I was making great money, uh, but I still didn't feel fulfilled. Uh, and so uh, a friend of mine who owned a bunch of real estate told me about development, becoming actually a developer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what made me pursue my contractor's license was to right. become a potentially become a developer. But as you know, when the real estate market crashed, 08, time frame there was nobody building homes anywhere so i was stuck with a construction license and no homes to build wow so what did you do then after the crash uh, i was fortunate that uh i i did own some real estate property and uh believe it or not the guy who installed my air condition introduced me to someone who was familiar with the world of federal contracting that he thought i should meet and that he thought could help me um, he made that introduction and uh, he talked to me and introduced me to the world of federal contracting and he, he told me about the potential of it. And so that was my first introduction and in, like even working knowledge of uh, the federal arena. I see. And so is that what then uh, uh, presented the opportunity with the Van Kauf to yes. go into that? Yeah, tell me right, about that. Right, exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah, so that gentleman said, hey, listen, um, let's get together. Uh, his company had all the bandwidth, the resources. They had been around 20 years. Uh, he was, you know, 20 years my senior. And he said, hey, if you can figure out this government contracting, uh, how this whole thing works, we will, you know, and bring the contracts in, then we'll get the work done. And um, and so that's kind of what we, we worked together doing that successfully. Successfully. Yeah. So yeah. then around 2017 is when you start sharing some of this knowledge on YouTube, right? Yep. What yeah, led yeah. to that? Why, why did you feel the need to, and the urge to do that? 
So after consulting with uh, a couple of companies, I um, realized that, you know, I had really um, exhausted the the maximum opportunity from those companies. They, were, they didn't want to grow any further. I launched Even Cough Construction, um, went out there, uh, started doing my own projects. And then, I, you know, I got beat up um, in the private sector. They beat me up pretty bad, Henry. They, they, um, they didn't take any prisoners. And so I was beat up, <laughs> lost a bunch of money. Um, and one of my suppliers, again, you know, I'm very fortunate, blessed, however you want to say it, that good people come into my life at the right times. Mm. And that's why one of the things we talk about is not quitting and not giving up is resiliency. Someone that I owed $30,000 to came to me, a supplier of mine and said, hey, when you first got started in business, what did you do successfully? And what did you enjoy? And I said, it was federal contracts. He said, go back to that. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was at my lowest points, um, I took a look at my, I reevaluated myself and I said, I need to get back into government contracts. So um, in 20, uh, around 2016 is when I started pursuing federal contracts again. I would start re basically rebooted my business, got back up and running. And um, around 2016, 2017, I won a, a significant award that was $5 million. And I had a company that did $30 million in place that was doing all the work for me. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have to do any of the actual work. Not even only, only basic, only thing I did was really collect the checks and then cut them a check back. And so I had that two year stretch that I knew this was going to last where I was just going to be receiving, you know, um, five figures a month income. Right. And then not having to actually do any work. So that's what made me say to myself, you know what, let me go ahead and take the time that I have to invest in giving back to other people. Who, who was managing the operations of that business then? Um, no, the company that I hired did the whole minute. They did, they did everything. Right. So you, you were, uh, for lack of a better term, the middle man or the. the yeah. I, I don't like to use that word middleman uh, because, you know, I did get the contract. But yeah, for lack of better terms, yeah, you could say I was the middleman on that particular opportunity. So did that company act as your sub then? Is that they were my subcontractor? Yes. Got it. Yeah. Okay. But the, because they were so again, they were thirty. They were thirty million dollars. So they had hundreds of employees. They had all the staff. And normally, you know, you're not that lucky, right? You've got to do some of the administration work. But they had a whole team that just did all the administration. Um, and outside of once we got the contract, I had to help them through because they had never done federal contracting. Mm -hmm. So I had to help them with the upfront uh, paperwork to get all the engineering and submittals and all that stuff approved, which was a couple thousand pages. But once that everything was approved and it came time to do the actual work itself, they didn't need any supervision. They, I mean, they hit the ground running yeah. and they knew more about the project than the engineers and than anybody on, on personally, within, even within the government or within the prime that gave us a contract. Yeah. All right, so then GovCon is then, I guess, the evolution of really formalizing, teaching others, and making a business out of that. Yes, definitely, yes. So um, is that what you're doing full-time now, or do you also have other businesses where you service uh, government contracts? No, so um, right now, I actually, I'm still active doing government contracts as a consultant. I have two companies that I work with that are my clients, um, both construction companies up in New England. And I help them win contracts up in the whole New England region from Maine down to uh, the upper parts of New York. Okay. All right. So you're doing consulting for organizations that, that either don't know how to do it or need help. They leverage your expertise. Yep. And then you're also doing the, the teaching uh, through your programs, your courses, your YouTube yep. channel, all of that stuff yes. to help individuals get there as well. Correct. Yeah. Wonderful. 
Good. All right. That makes sense. Uh, you touched on a couple of personal characteristics. I'm always interested in what people feel have been some of the characteristics that have helped them be successful. You talk about your leadership skills and you, you displayed those very early on. You mentioned resiliency. Uh, do you think those two, or is there another characteristic that comes to mind that's been part of your success, you believe? Um, definitely. No, those two are, that's, I mean, resiliency is, is number one. And, and do you think that's just, that was just always your personality? No, I don't think so. I or think, did, how did you develop it then? Um, so running myself, I, I mean, I was fortunate to have really great people. I was always surrounded by people that were my seniors who had already kind of been where I was going. And so those people uh, really helped the trajectory of my business and my growth. Mm -hmm. So even when I was down, for example, when I was down at my uh, lowest point, uh, I was part of the EO, the Entrepreneurs Organization, Yep. national organization, international organization. And um, when I was uh, staring at the face of bankruptcy, my attorney uh, told me to, to file bankruptcy, but my EO members uh, that were much more successful business owners um, advised me not to. And I, and I looked, I listened to them versus my attorney. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's quite an influence. All right. Let's start getting into it more. And, and just at the outset here, you focus on federal governments, not local or, or uh, yeah, contracts yeah. rather. Is that correct? That's, that is correct. That's a great distinction. I uh, personally do not um, advise people to do state or local contracts. Um, because I have seen, um, and again, this is my perspective and what I've seen and witnessed, I've seen how state and local contracts can, um, hurt small businesses. And so for that reason, um, I've only, I've chosen just to teach federal contracting. And how so, how I was, how is it that you can get hurt as a small business um, at a high because, level? Uh, at a high level. So, uh, on any contract that you receive from a government, you're going to have to put up the money, deliver the materials, deliver, uh, first before you get reimbursed or paid. Okay. And so if there's any delays in you receiving payment, uh, that could hurt any small business. Mm -hmm. And so what I found is that typically on local state contracts and local contracts, that is something that's prevalent and that occurs frequent and often too far too often. And particularly, even more so, if you are a subcontractor under a prime at, sure. a, on, a, on a state or local contract. And there's no provisions for um, intervening or blackballing or blacklisting the companies who do that to come, small businesses. Who do not end up paying or not paying on right. a timely basis Correct. to the subcontractor. You can find that in any city, any state, USA. Why is it different at the federal level? The federal level, what they do is they do not issue a contract award unless there are funds allocated for that. So the federal government will not issue a contract unless the money is already allocated for that project. They won't issue it. So when they issue a project, that's what allows them to pay people in 14 days. It's because the funds are sitting there. The state and local government sometimes or uh, mm -hmm. oftentimes are waiting on other funds to help cover the cost of these pro various projects. And so they don't have the funds sitting there before they issue a contract. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's take a step back. When we're talking about government contracts, give me, give me, give us an idea what, what we're talking about here. What types of contracts are we talking about? I imagine it, it's a wide range, but let us help us picture what we're talking about here. I mean, we, we mentioned, for example, the steel structures that you were building, but I'm assuming it's also services. What are we talking about typically here? Um, I have students that are doing cybersecurity. I have students that are doing IT. There's, I have students that do R&D. Um, I know people that 
manufacturer that have manufacturing companies um, that make components and parts for uh, the aerospace industry, the defense industry. Um, I know people um, that we work with that do janitorial services, cleaning floors, cleaning office spaces. Um, I know companies that provide uh, leasing services to the government. Um, it's it's the gamut. Yeah, it's the gamut. It's a broad range, you, which yeah. which really opens it up to you know anybody, right? Oh no, definitely. My <laughs> one of my very first students. Um, that I know of that won a contract. She sold, uh, it was after the hurricane, the one that hit Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And um, she sold the government, the feminine products that they needed to send to Puerto Rico. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about that as an example. What would, did she have access to that at a discount? She was able to source it. What, what was it that created an opportunity for her? You know, I, I, Henry, I think that right now and the time that we're, we're living in and the era, because the economy is doing so well, that less and less people are work, focusing on government contracts. So a lot of times what I'm finding is that people that are just responding to bids, there's a lot of times just one person own response right now. Because again, if you think about it, um, in the private sector, if I were to do, say, a metal building, right, um, the customer would pay me a percent of the money up front to get started with the job. In the government sector, that's not the case. So most people, right, would rather go that route. The other thing is that on the government contracting side, we've got to submit a proposal and put a write-up together oftentimes. And that's an investment, right? And you, you're not guaranteed to get the contract. And so in the private sector, I might just give you a price. Say, Henry, I'm going to do this for $10,000. Yeah, i just give you a quick quote. I might even quote, just do it over the it. phone, yeah? Right, exactly. So you say yay or nay. That, that was zero investment of my time. On the government side, you can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to submit resumes, maybe a little write-up, maybe a safety plan to, for the potential to win that contract. So people tend, when the economy is doing well, what I've noticed that that less and less people are going after government contracts. So I've seen, I mean, I have someone, a student of mine that just this past week won a contract to provide uh, protein powder to the government, $35,000 contract to provide protein powder. Interesting. And she and 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 the government literally told her that she can buy it off of Amazon. Really? Because they're not allowed to buy off of Amazon. They can only buy through vendors that are inside of the system for award management. That's aka Sam. I see. And the reasoning, one of the reasonings behind that from a government perspective is to provide those opportunities for small business owners and yes. more businesses at large, right? They're, yes. The yes. idea is to funnel that so that it provides growth beyond just buying that directly from a, a vendor, let's say. Yes, correct. Okay. All right. We've been touching on pros and cons and, and we'll come back to the cons where you articulated some of that, you know, the additional investment of time because there's a proposal process. You have to deliver the work first. So you have to, the cash flow is a challenge for a lot yep. of us. We don't have the funding. Uh, on the pro side, like you mentioned, it, there's an opportunity out there that's not being met. But but why else do you encourage people to look at this avenue for their business or even to start their first business? Um, because, again, um, one of the things that we mentioned in the show is when the market crashed, and I had friends of mine that were doing construction um, when when everything else goes away, the federal government's still there. And if you develop uh, relationships with agencies, with people in the federal government, uh, what happens is oftentimes you become the incumbent. So you can get a lot of repeat business and consistent business once you've built and developed out those relationships. Long-term business, you, 
the government has uh, contracts that are multi-year contracts. So now mm. you can almost have a predictable future. Whereas uh, when we're out here and some of the other marketplaces, you know, sometimes it's an up and down, it's a roller coaster. You're not sure what's going to happen year to year. Uh, but imagine if you were to win a five-year contract with the government, um, you know, five years out, like you're going to have a certain percent of sales from that contract. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm that for me, and then they pay you on time, right? They pay you and they pay you on time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what you're touching on is what we we're chatting about before we started recording. They're, they're, they're in all likelihood not going to go out of business or if they do, we've got bigger problems. So, you know, <laughs> right. you have that stability. You can predict, you can project, you can borrow money against it. You can sell your business based on that. Yes. Um, all of those things are there, right? Right, right. And what you're saying is that as you develop those relationships, then you become a bit more recession proof, at least, because uh, even during the downtimes, there's there's a, a channel there. In fact, I, I think you were talking about this in an episode of your podcast, that often during those economic downturns, there are government programs to inject more of those opportunities into the economy, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that's those are all great uh, pros for the cons we, we've kind of touched on. And I, I think if I had to list the biggest one, besides the work involved of the proposal process, and you may not get the business, it's that cash flow component that I think is what might keep most businesses from being able to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the cash flow is a deterrent. And then um, a lot of the myths, because not every job requires a proposal. So for example, the protein powder didn't require a proposal. The uh, feminine products didn't require a proposal. It's just the more, the larger projects, the more in-depth projects. Okay. But that, that's good to know because ideally if it's the first time for me, I probably would want to start small, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay. So let's talk about some other misconceptions or myths that you often are, are hearing. What are some of those other things that you often hear? The government, uh, the government pays slow. And so at the federal level, you're saying that is not true. That is more likely to be the case at the local level. Def yes, right. That's when people say that, what they're, you have to, because people, when people say the government, right, when you hear the government, yeah, that's municipality, that's state, that's, you know, so when people say government, that's a broad term. Right. But if you hear someone tells you that they have a government contract and they're not being, they're paid slow, ask them, is it a federal contract? Okay, good qualifier. And right, qualifier. Yeah. Um, some of the other things that I hear is that um, you need to be in business for two years, and that's not true. You don't have to be in business two years to, to, do, to win a government contract. Oftentimes, they don't ask you how long you were in business. That's not, that's not even a, a prerequisite question. This is Henry Lopez taking a quick break from this episode to introduce you to our new sponsor and a must-have new product. Sidetrack is an ultra-portable USB monitor that attaches to the back of your laptop for a more productive workday, whether you're at home, at the office, in a coffee shop, or on the go. At home, I have a big widescreen monitor, and I'm so used to how productive I am with it that I am nowhere near as productive when I am traveling or working from another location. But now with my Sidetrack, I can take my widescreen with me. Sidetrack is a portable monitor that just attaches to the back of your laptop. Sidetrack can also mirror your screen and rotate 180 degrees for convenient collaboration, presentations, demos, and more. 
I use it when I meet with my clients at a coffee shop, for example, so that they can see my presentation, but I can still be on my laptop. The Sidetrack dual screen workstation is super easy to set up and take down. You simply attach the Sidetrack to your laptop, connect the monitor with one cord, and you're ready to start. Sidetrack is offering a 10% discount for our listeners. To learn more, just visit sidetrack.com forward slash discount forward slash how of business. That's S-I-D-E-T-R-A-K.com forward slash discount forward slash how of business. And remember to use the promo code how of business, all one word, how of business to get your discount. You can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z to 31996 and I will send you the link and the discount code. So, so since you're on that topic, what do they look for? What they look for is if you have done any type of past performance in the product or service that you're looking to provide, mostly if it's a service, uh, but if it's an off-the-shelf type product, then as long as you could deliver it for the price and the time, they're happy with. Yeah. And, and often I can, if I do have an obligation to show experience, can I get that through a subcontractor that I bring to it? Yes, you can. You certainly can. Okay. So that's one way to address that. I don't have particular experience in this particular delivery of service or what my, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. And by the way, since we're, Henry, since you break that up, uh, let's, let's clarify that because a lot of people say, well, I don't have federal past performance. They do not, you do not need federal past performance. You just need past experience. Okay. So if you were, uh, let's say we say the janitorial company, if you've cleaned up um, commercial buildings in your city, that's considered adequate past experience to make you eligible to go after a government contract. Sure. So let's run with that scenario a little bit further. If I, if I have had my business, a cleaning business, that's fantastic. I have that experience. If I haven't, and the role I want to play more as a facilitator, then I might partner and so or subcontract with somebody who does have that experience and work together to go get that contract. Yeah, that's a great relationship. Um, and that's a benefit to working with the government. The government recognizes these partnerships as teaming arrangements. There's an actual term that's used in the federal regulations that identifies those type of arrangements. So that's a common practice. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side, the flip of that, me as, as I'm getting started being a subcontractor some, to someone else or with someone else who has that experience or has landed these contracts before, is that a good approach initially as well? Oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. I would say if you, if you can become a subcontractor to a prime on a government, on a federal project, uh, I would definitely say take that approach because you're going to get paid to do the work and deliver the services. And at the same time, you get to learn or experience working with the federal government and how they do business. Mm -hmm. And if you do a good job, what's likely to happen is the government's going to come to you and say, hey, uh, Henry, why don't you, the next time around, you maybe as a small business, you submit a, a job, a, a price proposal to us to deliver this service. Interesting. Okay, I'd like you, uh, one of the questions I have, or one of the observations I have is that discovery is a big challenge, right? And there's, there's it's hard for, especially since we don't know where to look to find these things. But I thought maybe if you could answer that question by walking us through at a high level, what the process looks like from identifying an opportunity through proposal, you know, what are those steps at a high level typically? 
Um, now, if we're talking about just bidding contracts, then the government has a system which um, they just changed last week. The new system for discovering contract opportunities is beta.sam.gov. That's the new system. Beta.sam.gov. <laughs> yeah, I know it's. I know it's ridiculous. It, in fact, the name. The fact that the name says beta. Yeah, it's like, like gives me no confidence. No confidence, right? <laughs> but the previous system was FBO.gov, so it's FederalBusinessOpportunities.gov, and that system they retired it on November the twelfth. Mm, interesting. And so now they launched a new system called Beta.sam.gov. I've written articles complaining about it. Other people have written articles complaining about it. Um, it's only, you know, again, what's today, the 21st, it's nine days in and, um, it doesn't do half of the stuff that the previous site did, but of course it's the government. You have to adapt. You have to learn those things. I going back to what we talked about in the beginning, I see this as opportunity because if I don't know how to use it, likely that you don't know how to use it either, Henry. That's so true. <laughs> it's not like it's just me. It's at a disadvantage. We're all at, you know, together in this whole process. So if I could figure this thing out, then I make it get a couple of extra opportunities and by the time you figure it out. Right, right. Now, and then where does, where does this SBA subnet come into play? Is that a duplicate database or No, the SBA else? subnet is, um, so what that SBA subnet was created to, uh, it's, it was the intention when it was originally designed was for prime contractors, like these large organizations to list jobs um, that they had for small businesses. See, because what happens, Henry, is the government has a goal to spend 23% of all of their dollars with small businesses. That's their goal, uh, industry-wide goal. And then they actually rate all of the different departments and agencies on how, they, how well they do at meeting that goal. And, and what happens is that goal trickles down to contracts that, is, that are above a certain dollar amount. So for example, if you have a contract, right, if Boeing or Northrum Group or any of these large firms you read about on the news or hear about on TV, if they win contracts that are 50 million or $100 million, they're supposed to also be giving out 23% of all their contracts to small businesses. They have the same goal to meet as well. Okay. And so SBA subnet was created as a system so that they can put in there like a repository of all their opportunities that they can't get fulfilled. Okay. It didn't quite work out that well, which is why no one uses it. Hmm. And, and what's happened in the past was that um, the, no one was actually policing whether or not they met their goals. So recently they decided to start auditing some of the large companies and so what you'll find now is companies who are, are put into SBA subnet were typically audited and were not meeting their goals. And so now as a result, that part of the, uh, their plan, like the correction plan, is to list projects in SBA subnet. I see. Okay. All right. So I, I find them either on betasam.gov or perhaps a sub opportunity on subnet, the subnet platform. But what's next at a high level? Um, you know, when so. Um, if you find opportunity on betas.sam.gov, what we always do is we go through a bid, no bid qualification process. And one of the ways that you can do that, and um, this is something that I've, I haven't shared publicly, but one of the ways that's really easy when you pull down a solicitation is if you like type in the word shall, those are all the things that you must have in order to respond to that solicitation. Hmm. So you can go through and just by uh, doing a word, word search for shall, 
those are the requirements that you must meet. And if you don't have all of the qualifications to do so, then that would be a no bid. Okay. So you do that first scan, identify the shallows. And if I know I can't meet those, that's not for me. Correct. If it is, then I prepare whatever they're requiring in a way of proposal and I submit that. Yes, correct. And then there is a period of time when, and at some point they decide on uh, who they're going to award it to. Is that correct? Yes. Right. And that, that varies widely or is it or typical or? Okay. It varies widely um, because what happens is uh, again, they don't, they will not issue a contract unless the federal funding is in place. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe because of the fact that they need it, there's a, one of the things that that's, I guess we'll go back to another downside is the federal cycles can be long cycles. And so it does sometimes it may take from the time that they procure something to the time they award it. It could be six months. Okay. Um, and so with that, and with that in mind, they may go out and, and even though the funding's not there, they may go out and bid the job or put it out on the street and they'll be explicit. They'll say the funds are not available. Like they'll say that, but what they'll do is because people protest jobs now, a lot of people are protesting it. That allows for all these things to occur while the funding's coming down the pipe. Okay. So you'll see that, and people some get angsties, and they'll say, "Well, you know what's going on? It's been a couple of months." But um, now, if it's a smaller job, you know, under a hundred thousand dollars, those things they, you know, you typically you'll find those out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the smaller projects, they they're that are because you know no one protested. Either you win or you didn't win. You know, these are like off the shelf type items, uh, common items that we could buy out of any store. Mm-hmm. Right. Those things typically they're rewarded in a few weeks. You know. And then they'll tell you there's a period of time in which you have to deliver them. Now, one of the things that I always tell people, and this is where I, I see the issue, is um, they don't check the requirements and the specifications. Hmm. If the government says they want protein powder and they want whey protein powder, you, you would be surprised how many people offer up something that's uh, comparable but not the exact item. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're by and large wasting your time doing that. Yeah. No, that's terrible. That's a terrible strategy. Yeah. Um, they, whatever there's, even if their specifications don't make sense to you, you still have to provide a price for what I they're see. asking for. I see. Okay. All right. Um, we'll start to wrap it up here on this deep dive. Getting started. I always want to know what your thoughts are on, on getting started. And it seems to me like there's a couple different scenarios. If, if, if I don't have an existing business, I guess I could treat this maybe as a side hustle because I have this time lag before I might land a contract. It seems like then more ideally, if I have an existing small business, I, I can use this as a potential to grow my business, but I got to allow again for that time to land that contract. But where do you typically advise someone gets started or how or what they need to work on? What I advise people is, um, I don't advise you to start off by bidding contracts. That's not what I, that's not my recommended path. I always tell people, let's start off by doing market research. Let's find out what what particular agencies buy the services that you deliver. And the reason so let why, me interrupt it here that, that you deliver. So in other words, ideally, you're already doing or delivering that service. Not, not maybe not all the times, but but I mean, again, if you have an existing business and you're mm-hmm. providing some type of service already, right. a product, uh, what I advise people is to go online and to find out which agencies are buying those products and services. Okay. Because the government is transparent. So 
you can go back and all of the history is inside of a database on the website www.fpds.gov. So that's Frank Paul David Sam.gov. And so I go on there, you can type in your product code, your service code, and it will populate all of the times that the government bought that service in 2019, 2018, 2017. It'll also tell you who are the major buyers. Um, it'll tell you who are the uh, agencies that are buying this. It'll tell you where they bought it, how much of it they bought, how many people competed on it. And so that's where I tell people to start is find out who's buying what you sell. And then from there, you help them develop a plan for, okay, now, now we know those opportunities, yep. right? Let's look, let's, let's start engaging with those persons who are regularly issuing out those opportunities. Because what happens is when you go on beta.sam or FBO, that's only about 50% of all the total opportunities that are um, in, inside of your particular arena. Everything else is being uh, uh, negotiated or sole source or in another system. It's not necessarily on being listed on that platform. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so are you saying you, you begin to develop personal relationships with these people or yeah, with those? It, okay. Yeah. So within the government, the government has, and again, again, going back to the federal arena, why I love them so much, the gov federal government, every agency, every one of them, has a department of small business that is geared towards getting you business with their agency. There's a person dedicated to work with you to help you break into that particular agency. Yeah, I mean, that's how they're measured. That's how they're uh, going to be evaluated. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And you, and so that person, when you go to them and you say, you give them your business resume, which is called a capability statement. When you go to them and you say, Hey, my company, I'm a janitorial company. I've been around two years. They're going to sit down and say, okay, but remember, uh, Henry, we did our research first. So we already know that they buy our services. We're not just going to the one that's closest to our, our neighborhood. You follow me? Yep. Absolutely. So we know who buys our services. We're going to go that agency. So let's say, um, we'll say that, um, let's say the U S coast guard. All right. You grew up in Hialeah. There's a coast guard base over by the airport, in North Miami. There's a coast guard base in Miami beach. Right. Let's, we're going to meet with the coast guard and we say, Hey, uh, we noticed that in 2018, you bought so much millions of dollars in janitorial services. We are a janitorial service company. We would like to know how do we start to do business with your agency? And they tell you what you need to do, where you need to go, who you need to meet, who you need to talk to. And then what that does is now you're in front of the opportunities before they come out. You're not waiting for them to come out and then trying to get prepared mm -hmm. after the fact. Okay. So even though if we, if you do the reverse, you may look at the shells and say, I can't fulfill this. But if you knew about that six months prior, maybe you could put together a team to go after it when it came, when it was released. Yeah. And that's what I would spend my time doing. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what it comes down to then is, is that for all of this, Eric, you, you have to be willing to have the, the discipline and the, the, the resiliency to stick with it. This is not a short-term game. This is a long-term thing, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we could talk about this for hours, but really what people need to do is understand a little bit more about the services that you offer to help people get started with this. So, so tell us about that. Um, well, I can tell you, for people who have never heard about government contracts and they know nothing about it, I do offer a free course, Henry. Um, so everyone can go to www.freegovconcourse.com. And that's a free course that anyone could take. 
Um, there's 18 lessons in there over a nine day window that tells you how does it work? I walk you through examples of how it works, the tools you need, the resources you need, everything that you need, and then helps you actually get registered to become eligible and qualified to start doing business with the government. Free. Perfect. Perfect. So we'll have a link to that definitely on the show notes page. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, and then you can always go to my YouTube channel, uh, type in my name, Eric Coffey, E-R-I-C-C-O-F-F-I-E. If you Google it, all my YouTube content will come up. And that's, I mean, I'm constantly putting uh, questions, comments, sharing resources with people, feedback. And then if you are ready to actually, if you've already, if you're already registered and you're already, uh, you're, you're in the arena, but you're not successful, you're not winning contracts, then I offer a course at govcongiants.com. And that's my advanced course where, you know, once you've gotten registered and you have an idea of how this thing works and you want to start doing some of these advanced techniques, because, you know, one of the things, Henry, that I do is I don't actually go out and bid contracts. I negotiate most of my contracts. 90% of all the work that I do is negotiated. Hmm. So the government calls me directly, sends emails me directly and say, we have a project. Eric, we need your help. Can you give us a price? It never made it on any public board or anywhere. And this is perfectly legal. Sure. So that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I want people to understand that's powerful that you can do. And that's why, again, and only in the federal arena, they're going to give you a heads up and say, hey, we've got something coming down the pipe and we need someone and we already know, like, and trust your company, right? You know how it is. Build that relationship. And we want you guys to give us a price for doing this particular work. And then they give us a contract. We do the work and we get paid. It never was posted or advertised on any website anywhere. Fantastic. All right, great stuff. And of course, there's also your podcast. It's a lot of free information as well. That's GovCon Giants is the name of the podcast. Yep. Your current book is Billion Dollar Playbook. And then I think you've got a, a new book coming soon, right? Yep. I'm actually, uh, I'm in the process now um, of writing a new book, the GovCon Launch book. And what I will do um, for the listeners of the podcast, what I'll do I will make a special link on my page, govcongiants.com forward slash how, H-O-W. And I will be willing to give away anyone who pre-registers for the book uh, a free copy uh, to just pay the cost of the shipping. Wonderful. Wonderful. Great offer. So take them up on that. If you didn't get the link to that, again, just come to the show notes page at thehowabusiness.com and you'll find it there. Great stuff, Eric. Uh, talking about books, as you mentioned at the outset, we both love books. Is there another book besides your own that comes to mind that you would recommend? Yeah, definitely. Um, Robert Greene's book. And Robert Greene, it's the 50th Mastery. So he wrote the 48 Laws of Power, but the 50th Mastery, that's the one that I love the most because it talks about conquering fear. The and fifth, not just conquering. The fifth degree of mastery? 50th, 5-0. 50th degree of mastery. Fifth degree, yeah. I've not 50th. heard of that, okay. Yeah, it's actually called the 50th law, but it's law of mastery. Got so it. it's the 50th law, and he talks about um, working through fear in spite of. Wonderful. When did you read that? Do you recall? When I was down, when I was down and out. Interesting. Um, so it helped yeah. you through it that. It helped me. Yeah. yeah, it helped me out. Because what it talks about is um, being calm in the, in the face of chaos and change. Wonderful. I, and I'm also looking now for, for time management tips. It's such a challenge for all of us. So is there anything simple... Uh, that you've used here recently that helps you with managing your time? Yeah, one of the things that, and I, and I can't tell you where I picked this up from. I don't remember where, if it was a podcast or something I read. But one of the things that I do for me that helps is 
I segment my days. So for example, um, if I'm going to do podcast recording, I do that on certain days. If I'm going to do um, uh, actual make YouTube videos, I do that on certain days. If I'm working on my consultant clients and helping them with their government, I do that on certain days. And that allows me to be able to really focus and, mm -hmm. and, pay, and, and not just like regular, like laser beam focus in on those particular activities for that day. And for me, uh, um, I can crank out, I don't know, six, seven, eight YouTube videos in one day with that type of time management. Yeah. But before I was, you know, I, I get, I sign up the cameras, I line up the video, you know, I get ready and then something comes up and I change, you know, I switch gears and then, you know, so, but when I say, okay, I'm going to just do YouTube videos today. I can knock out six to eight videos. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I've been trying to do the same thing. I call it time blocking. But yeah, because you minimize that switching cost, right? Right. right. And you described yeah. it very specifically in something like that where you have to set up. Right. Um, so thanks for that advice. All right. We'll wrap it up with this. What, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had about government contracts? I want everyone to know that that government contracts is not just for the big companies. It's just not for the billion dollar companies, not for, you know, just Amazons and Microsoft in the world. Um, it's for everybody and anyone could do it. You know, I consider myself to be a, a, a regular person, an average person. And truthfully, um, you know, I didn't know that I had any specialized knowledge. And we have been doing this for years, doing millions of dollars in business, and we took it for granted. Um, so again, I've seen people from all walks of life, backgrounds, engineers, uh, dentists, doctors, the government buys everything. You can supply them with people and bodies, right? You can supply as a staffing company. And so I just want everyone to take a look at it. And if you have a small business, and you've, you're finding yourself uh, some challenges in terms of growing that business or your front of my ideas, I would encourage you to take a look at the federal marketplace. Yeah. Great advice. Great thoughts. Tell us again where you want us to go online to find out more. Um, if you want to find me, you want to reach out to me, always govconscience.com is the best place to find me. And my YouTube channel, uh, Eric Coffee. just Google my name and I'm going to be out. I'm constantly forever making videos. Wonderful. Again, it's, it's GovCon's, G-O-V-C-O-N, Giants, right? Yep, G-I-A-N-T-S dot com. Wonderful. All right, Eric, this has been a great conversation. <laughs> you know, we just scratched the surface on this topic. It's not, uh, I think we had one other guest on it uh, previously. So it's, it's such a big one. So thanks for sharing your knowledge. Thanks for all that you've been doing with sharing your knowledge on your YouTube channel, on your podcast channel. A lot of free information out there that he's been sharing for quite some time. Thanks for being on the show today. Henry, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I'm, uh, it's a pleasure. I'm happy to share. I'm happy to come back on and we can do a second round. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Henry. This is Henry Lopez and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Eric Coffey. We release new episodes every Monday morning and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Or you can also just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.